You know, I've been noticing as we've jumped into this series called Habits that we've been talking about the intentional way in which we can grow our relationship with God. And I, I think we've kind of made this general statement, haven't we? That no one steps into spiritual growth by accident. It doesn't just happen. You don't just show up in church and all of a sudden you're more mature than what you were yesterday, right? Now, we may accidentally have an experience that goes, oh, yeah, I should change that in my life. Or, or we may get exposed in something and be like, oh, I really need that in my life. But without the intentional pursuit of our relationship with God, we can find ourselves kind of just going through the motions. I think it's a lot like the way we approach growing up, isn't it? Now, I'm sure none of you did this, but I'm just going to share something in my life because laughing at me always makes people feel better. So you can join me in that. But this was the kind of student I was. Now, maybe, maybe you were this student too, but I remember saying things like this. I can't wait till I grow up so I can. Okay, here's what the statements are going to be. I can't wait till I'm in high school so I don't have to go to bed so early. Anybody say that? I can't wait till I'm 16 and I have my license, Dad. I can go wherever I want. Anybody say that, right? Can't wait till I'm 17 and I watch our movies by myself. Some of you have uh, parents that have been in church leadership. You know what I'm talking about. You have to wait and wait and wait. Can't wait till I'm 18 and I can be an adult and live my own life, right? See, because this is, this is the epitome, epitome of maturity in our world, isn't it? When I get this old, I have the right to do such. But I've met 16-year-olds that shouldn't be behind the wheel. Have you? I've met 18-year-olds that are anything but adults. Hey, if I was honest, I've met 30-year-olds that are anything but adults, right? Many of you would say at 47, I'm not much of an adult. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Really, I am. But we approach life sometimes that when I get to this age, I should have these things. When I've done this so many times, I should have that. And we do that with our, our church experience too. Well, you know, so tell me about your relationship with God. Well, I've gone to church for, okay. I've ate at McDonald's a long time too, but I'm not an owner. You know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? And so we have these relationships with God that oftentimes when we talk about having a relationship with God, many of us would have to confess we're more of the acquaintance than we are a friend towards God. And so this, this habits discussion has been like, you know what? I know many of us live in this world where we thank God for his grace. We thank for God for everything he's done for us. We're so appreciative of everything that God has done by dying, giving of himself, giving us the forgiveness of sins, giving us eternal life. And sometimes when we begin to believe in that, we begin to say we're a Christian. What we do is we plop ourselves in a seat on a regular basis so our attendance is taken and we say, I'm, I've been a Christian for a long time. I don't know if that statement's true. We could say I've attended church for a long time. We could say I've, I've learned a lot of songs over the years. I, I've heard a lot of messages, but spiritual growth does not happen on accident. It's a partnership. It's a relationship. In God's generosity, we surrender. And as we surrender, God leads us and grows us into his likeness and into his character. So it's pivotal today as we talk about prayer and fasting. Some of the things that we're going to talk about today may be new to us. 
there may be people in the room that really are not known for their prayer. They don't spend a lot of time in prayer. And I'm, I'm just going to break your heart today and tell you I'm not going to teach you how to pray today. That's not my goal. I've, I've heard bazillions of messages about how to pray. And there's a lot of Christians who do one plus one equals two equals, you know, and we do this formulaic equation and say, yep, this is my prayer. It's a routine. It's a, it's something we do over and over, but it's not much of a relationship. And I also want to talk about fasting because most of us, we, almost any Christian says, well, I pray, but you talk about fasting and and many of us go, oh, oh, that's not for me. And they should not be that difficult. They should not be frightening. They're not anything to stay away from. Matter of fact, God wants you to invite these two disciplines into your life. And what God's asking you to do is, is go beyond just praying once in a while for the safety on your trip, <laughs> the victory for your ball team, the things like that, and, and, and to actually come together and partner even with, with fasting. And so we're going to ask some questions. What is prayer? What is fasting? We'll define that a little bit. Uh, why should I pray? Why should I fast? And we're going to talk about the motives intentionally. And sometimes when we talk about prayer, what you hear is somebody throw out this, this short verse out of Thessalonians, you know, pray continually. And we're like, how do we even do that? What does it mean to pray continually? How do you, how do you live in a, a posture of prayer where you're praying all the time? I mean, how do you drive a car and pray? How do you, how do you pray while you're working? You got so much stuff to do. How do you pray when you got two kids dragging on your legs? How do you, how do you pray on a, in a regular state of living? And we want you to see this relationally. Because when we look at the relationships of our lives, we don't approach them with great distance, right? It, it, if your children call you and need something from you, you don't take the phone and flip it over and put it off to the side and say, ah, it's not time to be a dad. Or maybe you do, I don't know. We may have to talk about that, but, right? If the phone rings and it's a friend of yours, somebody that you've journeyed with, you, you don't go, oh, I'm, 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 not, I'm not ready to be a friend today, right? We're always in the mindset of being available for those that we love, those that we care for, and as those natural moments play out, we engage in those scenarios. And so I can just tell you, as a church staff, we don't run around, you know, saying chants and being in, you know, some sort of a prayer state every day. But when we walk into things, as we're talking through relationships, as we think about stuff, there are clear times in our minds that we have made a transition between just being here and going, God, are you hearing what I, my, my heart's saying? God, God, can you, can you feel the anxiety in my heart? Can you hear the cloudedness in my mind? God, and we're constantly in that relationship, knowing that God is ever-present and ever-involved and who we are. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at a, a couple passages from Jesus that he uh, confronts the approach to prayer and the approach to fasting and gives some examples and talks about some relationships. But he sets it out in a couple different ways. First, it's, we need to understand that this is from the Sermon on the Mount, meaning Jesus is going through a time of teaching. And in Jesus' day, oftentimes what would happen when he'd gather a group of people together, he would bring up an idea, a scripture, a thought, and then they'd begin to pull it apart because in that day it was often for people to kind of challenge the teachers, the, the philosophers, the thinkers of the day, and they would compare one teaching to another. So Jesus, uh, Jesus shares this idea or thought, they would wrestle with it a little bit, and then he'd move on to the next one. Sometimes we read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we see uh, how it's broken up in headings. And, you know, if you were to ask what's a Jesus sermon looks like, it's about five lines long, only about two minutes. And we're all like, I want to go to that church, right? You know, it's a different dynamic, different day. Jesus brings up a concept. They wrestle and talk about it openly. He moves on to the next one. They wrestle and talk about that. He moves on to the next one. And that's what's happening in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
And in Matthew 6, Jesus begins to press in very, very deeply on our motives, on why we do what we do, why we live out the way that we do. And he confronts prayer and fasting. And in the midst of that, one of the most famous passages that most of us who have been in church for a while have heard, we call it the Lord's Prayer, is mentioned in it as an example. Here's what it says, starting in Matthew 6, verse 5. Jesus starts with a warning. He says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you do pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. Now, prayer and the portrait that Jesus is trying to paint here is an inner working relationship. It's a a conversation-style relationship. And Jesus starts with this overall warning, and he says, you know what? Prayer should first and foremost be authentic. It should not be hypocritical. It should not be about your public performance. It should not be about the type of words that you say. It should not be the kind of thing that draws attention to you. Because prayer in and of itself is a personal conversation between you and God. And so he gives example of how other people in other practices make a big public performance. And God's not saying that we can't pray in public. So, you know, when you go to lunch today, don't, don't look at your friends and say, oh, we can't pray right now because we're trying to show off. That's, that's not what Jesus is saying, okay? Jesus is saying this. If you, want to prepare, if you want to pray and be in relationship with God, take a moment to close the door, pull your life back, and let's have a personal conversation one-on-one. It doesn't have to be grandiose. It doesn't have to be in front of a lot of people. And it certainly doesn't have to be with a ton of words. Why? Because people who pray for performance or for the chance to have things their way and wear people out with are only praying for their benefit, not God's will. Jesus is kind of saying this. I know that God the Father is one who's more concerned about you personally than how you look or how people will applaud you and what people will say about your reputation. And I know that God is not a parent who when their child tugs on their leg and screams in a big box retail store to make a scene in front of anybody else, it doesn't change God's heart. It didn't change God's heart. So just approach God. It's the example that Jesus lives out in his own life. You you see Jesus step away for intended times to pray, to begin to step away and and, and to engage not only uh, his relationship with God and how he's growing and living the will of God out in his own life, but we see him model it in front of others. We begin to realize that our ability to pray grows as we grow our ability to pray. The more we do it, the more frequent we, we take time to clear out time for God to speak into our lives and for us to share with God that that relationship grows and becomes more natural. 
But oftentimes people pray because they're trying to, they're trying to fix something. They want something different. They, don't, they want life to be less hectic, less, less busy. But prayer doesn't offer a less busy life. But it does offer a less busy heart, a less busy mind, a less busy body. That in relationship, we begin to work things out. And we learn how to speak, to share with God more openly. Matthew 6 goes on to say in verse 16, he says this, Jesus brings up fasting and he says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, right? They're getting a lot of press time today. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus gets pretty uh, confrontational here when he's really trying to call out that these public expressions, these moments of popularity, these grandeur moments and self-seeking begin to erode the very foundation and relationship that God desires from us and that we, what we can have from God. And Jesus begins to call out. He says, you know what? I don't need you to kind of to suck in your cheeks or kind of look all somber and stretch your face. I mean, I mean, let's be honest though. When we're at church or with church people, doesn't it feel good when people say things like, oh, you're just so spiritual? Or, oh, you're growing so much? Or, I mean, we, we like the way people give accolades to us. And so Jesus is speaking to things that happen very naturally to us, but people are going above and beyond to make attention about themselves. And Jesus says, you know what? They, whatever applause they get, whatever public attention they get, they've gotten it. That's not what prayer is about. Matter of fact, if you want to pray and if you want to fast, do it in private. And then in fasting, he says, put oil on your head and wash your Refresh yourself. Come out, come out looking your best so that what people see is not what you're doing for God, but they see God working through you. That's the emphasis. The emphasis of every spiritual discipline is about knowing God and for God to be seen through you. And so Jesus gives these two great warnings. And we talk about prayer being a conversation, but fasting is literally where we kind of, we, we begin to abstain from something. Traditionally, it's food that we would skip a meal or skip meals. And in that season of surrender, we would, we would allow God to speak into our lives. We're making room for God to speak into our lives by giving something else up. And so, for instance, what happens is, let's say you, uh, maybe this, this holiday season, as you approached Easter, you experienced Lent. Some of us maybe give up uh, beef and start to eat fish. Uh, some of us maybe gave up Netflix. Some of us maybe took, uh, uh, every Thursday was going to be a day that we would not eat and we would spend time in prayer. And so, when you got done at work, you actually got up, went to your car, and they thought you were out eating your PB&J, but what you were doing was just taking time to be with God. But what you'll find in a season of fasting, what you'll find in this spiritual discipline, is the longer you abstain, the greater your longing and want for what you said no to gets greater. You understand what I'm saying? 
So some people will be like, well, I, I, I'm not going to eat for two or three days, and I'm going to spend the next two or, three days, two or three days in prayer about this, my work, my marriage, my wallet, whatever it may be. And day one, they kind of get through. They start their fast usually at 8 o'clock at night, so they've had a good meal. They're all taken away. They had their last bowl of ice cream, whatever it is. And so the next morning they get up, and the 24-hour clock has started, and they're doing okay for the first few hours. But by the time they get to the night of the first day, they start really hearing that hunger pain. And all of a sudden, they start realizing how much they long for food. So they go to bed early. <laughs> they don't want to face it. And because they're hungry, they wake up early. And all of a sudden, they get up to their day, and all of a sudden, their stomach begins to growl. And as it does, something that's ridiculous, skipping a few meals to pray, becomes of primary importance. And what God does in that moment of prayer and that moment of surrender is takes your hunger for your will and your way and puts it at a crossroads in your life and says, do you want to chase the ridiculous or do you want to chase what's righteous? And all of a sudden the tension begins to pull on us. All of a sudden we begin to wrestle with, how, how important are these things in, to my life? How much do I really just want a cheeseburger right now? How much do I really just want to be able to go out and eat what I want? Those kind of things begin to speak into your life, and you go, God, I, I don't want that. God, I want to honor you. And in those moments, there's a depth of exposure to the ridiculous things of our lives that often become the obstacles to the righteous that needs to happen in our life. That's why fasting is not only about food. Some of us, it may be social media. Some of us, it may be turning off all the notifications on your smartphone and shutting off texts. Some of us, uh, my, my favorite deep spiritual habit that I hear recommended all the time is turn off Facebook. Really? Is, is that where we are as Christians? I can't flip through pages of other people's happiness and promote myself. And when I don't get to do that, I long. Yeah, there's all sorts of information out right now. How even social media becomes a great fasting piece. Do we give up the ridiculous to chase the righteous? See, most of us pray, right? Maybe we'll pause uh, Maybe we'll pause for a meal or pause to ask God for safety before we travel or to bring up a sick, sick person that we want God to care for. And so prayer stays pretty regular with us. But fasting, when it's combined, it begins to stretch us in different ways. Prayer expresses our desire for God while fasting exposes our need for God. Let me say that again. Prayer expo expresses our desire for God but fasting exposes our need for God. Those are the moments that God begins to pull on us and stretch us. When we pray, we desire for God's will be, to be done, for God to work in our lives. And while God is concerned about our safety on vacations or our, our aunt who may be sick and may be in the hospital or a, a friend that may have a need, what God is really wanting is the chance to, to pull us back, to have a conversation with us. And then to sacrifice together, to surrender together, and see how we might grow. And so in between these two texts, this opportunity to pray and this opportunity to fast, Jesus gives an example to his disciples about how they should pray. And as they come out of the conversation of fasting, he also describes the idea of forgiveness. 
that somehow in this conversation of relationship of prayer and fasting before God, we deepen our well to love people and to forgive better. Prayer and fasting begins to ignite our faith and initiate our obedience. We begin to take on new responsibilities and challenges. Prayer and fasting become isolated experiences that shape us deeply. Now, please understand this. When Jesus begins to talk about secrecy, he's not approaching prayer and fasting like like fight club. You know what I mean when I say fight club? You know, one of the rules of fight club is nobody talks about fight club. There is no fight club. You know what I'm saying? Some of the men in the room are, I, I know what you're talking about. Jesus is not saying that you should not pray in public. Jesus is not saying that when you do pray in public that you're a pagan. Jesus says that in your prayers, they should be authentic. They should be of a genuine motive before God for God's will and God's benefit. So close the door. Spend some time alone. Because when we pursue our faith for public applause or public perception or our own selfish gain, we've already gotten all we're going to get out of that prayer. I mean, think about it this way. If it's a relationship, what does your loved one want from you? I mean, I know, I know when I take my wife out, the conversations she enjoys. Oftentimes, it's a, it's a back booth, low lights, little boys to men in the background. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, she smiles like I'm 20 years old. My jokes are funnier. She shares stories and insights about where we've been and what we've been a part of. And while there are people all throughout the restaurant, we only see each other. Prayer is a personal conversation with God. Sometimes I, th- I, th- I think Jesus is trying to call us out like, like somehow as Christians, we kind of take, take this picketing sign, right? You know, and on the front of it says, who likes prayer and fasting? And you flip it over, it's like this guy, right? You know, and he's like, don't be that guy. Don't be the one that's trying to make it all about yourself, who's trying to make sure everybody knows how much you've grown. Don't make it private. Make it personal. And when you fast, don't walk around with a duck face trying to show off your cheekbones. Be the kind of person that's just allowing the surrender of your life to speak louder than the applause of people around us. God wants us to grow personally in the private so that in publicly, others will experience God through us. So prayer and fasting begins to shape our lives to impact and influence the lives of others. We begin to live it out. And the things that we surrender and the things that begin to be exposed begin to be the primary areas of strategic relationship and opportunity where we can not only impact those around us, but live out the relationship God's intended for us. It's a two-way relationship. God lives out in the way that we grow. God's seen in our words and our relationships and our, our, our expressions, the opportunities and decisions that we make. And we see people and lives, our work, our play, all transform for God's glory and God's honor. I mean, that's been the point of this whole series, right? The point of the do is to lead us to the who. 
we don't commit to these growth points, we don't commit to these disciplines, we don't commit to doing things that honor God for ourselves, to gain God's affection, to hope that God would love us more. God loves us, period. God accepts us as we are, but God invites us into a relationship that we can share and reciprocate together. God desires for all of us to know him personally and walk closely with him. And like any relationship, without communication, without time, without sacrifice, most of our spiritual walks stay as an acquaintance with God and not a friend of God's. Intentional private moments with God lead us to public movements with God at work. So maybe we could best say today this way. Prayer and fasting turn a monologue into a dialogue. Prayer and fasting turn a, a monologue into a dialogue. I think when prayer started in my life, I think I'd have to admit that more often than not, I talked at God than anything else. But over time, the more I prayed, the more I paused, the more I trusted, the more I began to sense God's will in my life. To hear from his spirit and his promptings. And so maybe today as we talk about prayer, and you think about your motives, and you think about your relationship with God, maybe you're saying, but, but I just need God to work in my life. Maybe you need God to work in your job, your relationships, your situation here at church, your finances, your health, your weight. Maybe you need God's strength to guide your heart, to clear your mind, to shut your mouth. Maybe you just need to learn again, learn to trust again, to love again, or to hope again. We've put this resource page together for, for our church because we want people to be able to step in and be able to grow in, in each week's discussion. And so I want to encourage you to go to our habits page that we've created for you, fcc-online.org forward slash habits. And if you go there, each week that we unpack a spiritual discipline, there are actual resources, things that will help you. Like this week, to, if you don't know how to pray, they'll help. Uh, they have some resources of people who have gone through that process, people who have wrestled with that. Uh, last week when we talked about service, ways that we can plug in and use our gifts, begin to benefit not only the church and the kingdom at large, but the world that we're a part of. But it's our responsibility to take responsibility for our faith. It's important for us. If we're truly grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus and the relationship that God has given us, for us to step up and step out towards our own walk with God. And so let me encourage you. Let me encourage you, if you are not a person who prays, when we're talking about the relationship that we have with God and Jesus, empowered by his spirit, any prayer is good prayer. Any prayer is good prayer. So start. Make it a habit. Make it regular in your life. And then, consider fasting as well. Take a season, take a time, surrender something, and allow God to pull that tension on you in, in your relationship with him and others. And as you do without, decide. 
What do I want? The ridiculous or the righteous? Let's move to a time of response. I think sometimes when we talk about prayer, Christians can be pretty trite. We throw prayer around like it's just something that everybody automatically does. And while we live in a culture that's very spiritual and uh, many people do try and embrace prayer on some level, I think what most of us are probably doing are sitting in a room and thinking about our own thoughts, right? And so I'll just confess a couple things as we talk about prayer today that first and foremost, prayer is not easy for me. It's never been an easy discipline for me. Why? Because I talk too much and I have trust issues. And so being being emotional in front of God or sharing my weaknesses in front of God or I I, I tend to just get verbose and trying to keep a God at distance because I, I, I don't want God pressing into my life. I don't want God speaking into my life. I don't want God trying to rearrange. I'm just being honest. Some of you are like, wow. How'd you get hired by a church? I always tell them, I'm good looking and people like that. So. I hang out with a lot of people sometimes, uh, specifically men who say, no, prayer's just not my deal. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking to spend some more time trying to get in touch with my feelings, you know. Yeah, I'm not either. But I do want to be the man that God wants me to be. And I will tell you that when prayer is an active part of your life and you are engaging in fasting to surrender the very things that you know are your weakness or your longing or your will, that when you, when you begin to live that out, you look at your faith much differently. It's not about being a big mushy ball of goo before God. It's about this is who I was created to be. I can't do this on my own. I begin to look at my marriage. I begin to look at my children. I begin to look at my job. I begin to look at all these different things in, in profound ways that I would not look at on my own. And so when I, when I pray before God, I have these moments where I'm like, oh, oh, oh okay, God. Uh, I, I mean, you know, um, man, I'm just having a hard time right now. Um, just having a hard time in my marriage. God, can you help me? God says, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad you want to bring this up because you're difficult to be married to. Let's talk about this for a moment, right? Yeah. Well, God, I need, I need to talk to you about the boss that I'm not and I need to be. Good, because people have been talking about that too and we'd like, we, need to, we need to walk through that as well. And I find these moments that when I pray that I'm Okay. I love a God that looks at my mess and looks at all that I'm not and says, I can help you with that. And over time, it has allowed me to open my fist of, of control and pride and arrogance and selfishness and, and insecurities and just say, okay, God, what, what does this mean for me? What, what do I have to do? 
And so maybe today there's some of us that are just like, you know, I, I, I need to start this. I've got to start praying. And let me just encourage you when it comes to, comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to speaking before Jesus, any prayer is good prayer. And right now maybe you're in a sense of you're in struggle with your job. People are hurting in your relationships. Maybe you don't want to be married. Maybe your kids have pushed you to the brink. Maybe the grief just speaks so deeply into you right now that all you can feel is the tugging of the longing of wanting something else. And you're afraid that in letting that go, Maybe you disrespect something or someone. Friends, can I tell you that prayer allows us to get ourselves out of the way. And of all the relationships that you'll have in this world, your relationship with God to flourish the best. That's what we want for you with this series. And so today we're going to approach our time differently as we wrap up. Now, if you're new at first, um, we do something that's a little bit different here. We, we will play some music and the band will begin to sing and, and we'll stand and we'll begin to sing back and people will come forward and some will come to pray at these benches. And uh, it's not that there's any, it's not a special line that goes directly to God up here. It's just that we feel like as a church, when we come and we get on our knees, we surrender ourselves before each other and we surrender ourselves before God, that we, we are taking a posture that God recognizes that we're, we're seeking, we're searching, we're longing for God to move in us. We'll go to these tables. There's six of them around the room and there's a candle in the middle and what they're intended to be is these, these trays where there's bread and juice that we pause for a moment to eat the bread and to drink the juice because Jesus was the one who said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And so as Christians, people who believe in the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the payment for our sins, as our gift of forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's empowerment in us. We're invited to come to a table as friends, as family, to eat the bread and drink the juice, both in commemoration and celebration. And so you'll see people come forward, friends and family. And then you'll see some of us go off to the give and respond boxes. Maybe there's a next step decision we made or we want to give of our tithes and offerings. And some of us will pull out our our phones to get on the Give app to respond. Can I just be honest? It's the least popular choice of response on Sunday mornings. But it's amazing because in surrendering and giving up something, we're reminded of everything that's been provided for us. We do without because of what God's already done in us. So that's how we'll respond when the band begins to sing. But before we do that today, we want to, we want to set you up for a time of prayer. I'm not going to close in prayer. We're going to close in reading the passage that's between those two, those two warnings and conversations about prayer and fasting. Jesus gives instructions to his followers 
to teach them how to pray. And what I want to do is I, I'm going to read the opening of the verse. It'll be in white letters. And then the example of Jesus's prayer will be in yellow letters. And I want you to read it out loud with me. And after we do that, we're going to give you some time just to sit, to reflect, to think about your relationship with God, to pray. And you may take a posture of being on your knees at your chair, or you may gather your family off into a corner to pray with them, or you just may sit in silence. But we want to give you a lengthy time to talk with God. So we're going to read the scripture together. We're going to pause in a lengthy time of prayer, and there will be some prompts, some things to think through in that time. And then the band will begin to sing and we'll begin to respond like we normally do in prayer and communion and give and respond. You can stay in your seats, but let's read this passage. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive, have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil.